In this programme we speak with Joe Salama and Jason Goldberg. Between them they've written a wonderful book called The Tao of Paleo that when you read it will take you through the nitty gritty of paleo by following the story of the characters within the book. Since his entry into the world of paleo some years ago, Joe has been immersed in virtually every facet of this fascinating lifestyle. Being the president of Paleo Publishing, producer of the Ancestral Food Summit and more. Jason is a writer, a blogger, a martial artist, a mud racer and a pilot who loves mentoring newcomers to the paleo lifestyle through his Paleo Padawan program. They've both got lots to say on how transformative the paleo lifestyle is, so let's join them and Alan now and find out what it is to live the life in the Tao of paleo. Good morning, Joe and Jason, and welcome to the local paleo show. Good morning. Good morning, Chef. And good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. And you? Wonderful, wonderful. Can't complain. Okay. So let's talk about our guest. Um, Indeed. Joe, our friend, common friend, Shona Young, is the person that recommended we talk to you. And so yep. that's how we, um, we connected and uh, we found out about your project and your book. So uh, she's a very special lady. We had a great interview. And uh, I'm glad she um, pointed us in the right direction towards you guys. So what can you guys tell us about your background? Um, let me go first. Um, this is Joe Salama speaking, and um, I am an attorney, and I'm a mediator, a couple of other things. I do a, little, a fair amount of nonprofit work, and I sort of fell into paleo by accident about three years ago. And it got me off my attention deficit disorder medication, and it made me feel younger, look better, gave me more energy, and just made me overall a much happier person. Um, and ever since then, I've spent pretty much all my spare time working in the paleo world to try to get the word out to more people, try to convert people. I've, I think I have between six and 700 people I've gotten uh, onto the paleo path um, so far. And I'm just getting warm as far as I'm concerned. There's a whole world to save out there. And this is Jason. Uh, let me first remark that, you know, in Joe's case, it would be hard to, to look worse. But that's, you know, just my <laughs> opinion. Um, so I am a, I'm actually an airline pilot uh, by, by profession. Um, and a comedian. And a comedian uh, as well, right? Yeah, but I'm not quitting my day job, that's for sure, in that regard. But um, very similar to Joe, um, I was... Um, uh, facing some physical challenges in, in spite of, you know, in my view, eating well and healthily, uh, being a, almost a fanatic exerciser, a former university athlete, um, uh, came to paleo just as a result of just not being satisfied with the way I was feeling. Um, uh, as, as, as for what I do now, um, uh, along with uh, the projects that Joe and I put together, uh, I run a, um, a program called the Paleo Padawan Program where I mentor people through uh, 30 days of transition to the paleo lifestyle. And um, I think uh, last check, I put 330 people through the program. So right awesome. now, my emphasis is kind of, you know, we use the term paleoing it forward. Um, and what that means to us is that our big focus right now is, is sharing what we've learned and, and trying to change the world by helping other people get healthy. And he hasn't crashed an airplane yet, by the way. That's not yet. Just give me some time. Yeah, that one time was never proven. 
Yeah. <laughs> we used to we used to have a rule against having uh, lawyers on the show, but I guess we can make an exception for you. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. I wouldn't want to have to see you guys, of course. No, of course. Uh, but we you know it's good to know. It's good to know the right people in the right places. You never know. If I can help you at all, you know where to find me. Okay. So uh, you do, uh, what kind of law do you do um, typically? Is it? Uh... Um, there's no typical case. Um, I've done employment. I've done, um, let's see, medical malpractice on both sides. I've done insurance defense work. I've done personal injury. I've done criminal law. I've done family law. And I do a, a lot of divorce mediation. So couples who are divorcing come to me and we work through it rather than them suing each other through their divorce and it being very right. painful and protracted. Do you do uh, paleo divorces as well? You know, I've been helping the paleo community out, but a lot of their stuff um, that they need is intellectual property and copyright and stuff like that. So um, I have a good friend I refer them to for that stuff. That was my attempt at a joke right here. Okay. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen any paleo divorces yet. I've seen a couple of paleo yet. marriages. Yeah. Are you saying that paleo um, uh, uh, people uh, stay married longer than the regular people? Um, I think that they have something in common that's very important. Um, I think that paleo enhances their sex life. Um, and I'm sure that that plays a part in keeping people together. Mm -hmm. And Here we go. Joe's favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, you know, generally speaking, when you're paleo, you try to improve your body and your, your lifestyle and your health, whereas the traditional marriage, people tend to let that go because they were only maintaining it for purposes of their single livelihood. Um, right. So, you know, there's, I think that there's a higher chance. I don't have any statistics to prove it, but I think right. there's a higher chance that the couple are going to be together and live happier and healthier longer together. <clears throat> have, have you seen cases where one is paleo and the other one is not and it creates some difficulties? Yes. That happens a lot. Um, there are threads all over the internet about that where one of the parties actually libido skyrockets. Yes, it is my favorite subject. It appears yeah. to be, Jason. Um, <laughs> and the other person's isn't there and they are complaining and they get all sorts of advice from people to, have a, to, to talk to the person and let them know that they're going to have an extramarital affair if they need to um, because they're unsatisfied. Um, so that happens a lot. But also the other aspect of it that happens a lot is they're concerned about the other person's health. Um, that the yeah. other person is more often than not, it's the husband that isn't willing to do it. Um, and sometimes he's not willing to have a uniform front for the child. So the husband will be taking the kid out to McDonald's or t Taco Bell or whatever, and the wife will be frustrated because the child will have attention deficit disorder, the husband will be overweight or have a heart, heart condition, um, and it's, it's a very frustrating thing to be in that situation, um, something neither of them thought about or could have possibly predicted when they first got together, you know. You know, that brings me to a problem I have. Uh, I am single. Um, I've been divorced for 20-something years. And my problem is... I'm sorry? Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I somehow survived it. But um, my problem is dating. Uh, I cannot find 
someone is, you know, like, yeah, it's going to sound silly, I'm sure, but uh, paleo dating, you know, maybe we should start a business there, paleo dating, because I can't find anybody that would fit my regimen or my, my yeah. beliefs in, uh, in food and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. I, 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 mean, it's, I understand it's, what you're saying. I only date paleo women. Um, and the last, yes. the last several I've met on online through Facebook, actually, um, because that's the only place I know where to find paleo women. Um, <laughs> but there's also a, a website called sameplate.com, and it's run by a gentleman <laughs> named Je Jeff Nimoy. Um, and it's not just for paleo people, for vegans, for whatever, but it's based on the principle that, you know, you want to try to find somebody who eats the same way as you do. Can you hear the pen scribing into the paper there? <laughs> <laughs> Chef, who was it? It was uh, lot Sovereign who said, uh, show me what you eat and I'll tell you what you are, I think, right? Yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, I did take down, I did write down, this is sameplate.com, right? Yes. Okay, I'm going to, once we close the show, I'm going to run to that uh, website. <laughs> Sounds good. I did. I do have a nice following on Facebook, but I haven't dared ask uh, anyone out, you know, from my paleo, uh, um, my Facebook page. So maybe I should try that. Who knows? You need to you know? leverage that fame, Chef. I think it's a great idea. You know, uh, this is one of the biggest misconceptions out there. Being French and being a chef actually scares a lot of women away because mm. they think, oh, my God, the guy is not only is a chef which means I can cook for him. But then to make things more complicated, he's paleo on top of that. So it's like impossible to please. And, and, and thought, uh, don't, don't forget your French as well. So, you know, you're, you're renowned as a lover already. Right. Oh, see, that's pretty good. Yeah, but, you know. And then the speedo a, comes out and it's, you know, it's just <laughs> all over. Ruins it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I like to show myself in my splendor. Um, but the truth is a lot of American women seem to be very cautious, if not downright suspicious about French men because they think, mm. you know, they see all these movies and they think all we do is cheat, cheat and mm. <clears throat> have, uh, you know, uh, threesomes and menage à trois and all these kind of things mm -hmm. going on. And mm -hmm. so, so it makes my life difficult because, um, you know, that's the way. Okay. Uh, let's change the subject. I think we need to get back to you. <laughs> Sorry. Mark, feel free to cut out this whole section if you want to. Uh, for, for a small uh, fee, what, I'll cut anything out. There we go. What, what brought you guys together? How did you uh, connect and how did you start this project? Well, Joe and I were uh, both members of a, of a social group that we're no longer a part of, but we became friendly, um, and uh, Joe had been kind of on the paleo path for a while. And as Not we, that we, friendly, by the way. We kept it professional. Uh, well, yeah, that, that was we, a, uh, a question I was noting, actually. At any rate, Joe had gone down the paleo path, and, and he had kept in touch with me over the course of well over a year. And Joe, you know, being the guy that he is, was always very polite, uh, but had, had recommended to me on a, on a number of occasions that I consider trying paleo lifestyle. And uh, I just as politely just ignored him. You know, I thought to myself, I'm a, um, I'm a former college athlete. You know, I'm healthy. I eat right. I exercise like crazy. Um, you know, fast forward 
to a, a kind of a big change in my life where I decided to myself, well, I, I really should be open to some new ideas. And, and one of the ideas that I kind of embraced was what Joe had been suggesting to me for a long time, that I go down the, the paleo path. And uh, suffice it to say that it was transformative for my life. So as a result, in the course of, of, uh, of discussions, you know, being a, a writer and, and a poet um, kind of as my avocation, uh, as opposed to my career, um, I, I proposed an idea to Joe that, that we use the instrument uh, of a book to try to help people, um, you know, kind of benefit the same way that we had benefited. And I'll, I'll turn it over to Joe to tell you what he thought of this idea. Um, you know, I, I knew Jason online. He's always been a gentleman. He's been a solid, reliable, stalwart friend. And, um, and then I, I listen. He tells me this idea, and I think, you know, it's not a really great idea. I, I have to say, you know, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I'm not quite grasping the brilliance of it. Um, and then he, so I was trying to think, how am I going to tell him this? Because, you know, I got to try to put it tactfully. And then he sent me, he said, would you please just, you know, send me, uh, would you please take a second to look over this sample I'm going to put together? So I said, sure, I'll take a look at it. That's fine. So he sent me the sample, and I started looking at it, and I was laughing my ass off. Um, it, it, you know, it needed some refinement, but he, he, he managed to communicate the brilliance of this idea to me. And it, it basically, it comes down to you have, there's a lot of information and a lot of knowledge and a lot of, you know, there's a whole lot to the paleo thing. It's not just about food. Um, and if you look at a lot of the books out there, which I, you know, I'm grateful that they're out there because maybe I would not have come across paleo if it weren't for some of these books, but they read like textbooks. Um, and this brought all that information and knowledge into, into the reader, into a reading format that was fun and accessible. It's, 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 it's great. You know, if you can learn and have a good time at the same time, why not? You know? So I got back to Jason and I said, hey, this is great. Let's go with it. And after about yes. a, a year and a half of painful writing and, and, and editing later, and if, I'm, you know, Chef, you've written a book, and you know this as well, you know, far better than I do, you know, it was maybe five or six months of writing and then eight or nine months of editing. So um, even, you know, kind of putting together even a, like a, a free-flowing kind of fun book is, is an incredible, uh, incredible uh, effort. So yeah. uh, I think maybe a year and a half later, we actually had a book. Yeah, yeah, and we're, I, was, I was talking with someone at um, the Ancestral Health Symposium about just what a bad return on your investment it is hourly-wise. You know, it's, it's oh, not yeah. a great hourly rate, no matter how successful your book is. But, you know, if we can change the lives of some people out there um, and have fun in this, at the same time, then why not, you know? Absolutely. And as a result, you know, Joe doesn't actually pay me because he's convinced me that the money isn't an issue. So he pays me in praise, and, you know, that makes me happy. <laughs> Jason, you're looking very good today, by the way, I have to say. You're looking very handsome today. See that? That was my, that was my advance on the first 100 copies right there. <laughs> and, and, and some change as well. I was going to say, we do give a large portion of the profits to charity, too. So, you know, we're helping people who buy it at the retail level, for sure. Um, but we're also helping people um, at the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund, who defend farmers in litigation um, from big agriculture, from their local governments who are trying to restrict their ability to practice regular farming. 
Um, we pay for lawyers to defend them uh, with our contributions, with charitable contributions from the sale of the book. Hmm. That's a great, Excellent. great uh, idea. So your book, your book is called Tao uh, Paleo, Finding Your Path to Health and Harmony. Great title, by the way. And it aims to, pre to present the paleo lifestyle uh, in a whole kind of different light than a typical paleo book in more of a, a complete package. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so um, there's two points you make there, Chef, and both of them are really good ones. And it, and it goes back to what Joe uh, had mentioned about the, the canon of paleo kind of literature that exists out there now. There are a lot of really good paleo books out there. A lot of them are written in, in a very complex way. And Joe and I felt like it's very hard to engage somebody when you're not capturing their, their attention and entertaining them at the same time as educating them. So right off the bat, that's what we wanted to do. So we wrote the book in, in a, a conversational style between, between Joe and I, and we added fictitious characters, and we made it, we made it you know, almost like uh, one of the Greek dialogues, but, but with a real edge. You know, we, we say some pretty outrageous things and um, with the idea that it's really important to engage somebody by entertaining them. I, I, I don't think that somebody will get done with this book and, and be bored. They may be horrified, disgusted, scarred for life, but they, they, they won't. <laughs> We've, so we definitely put some things in there that no sane publisher would ever put in there, which is right. something that we enjoyed doing, yes. actually. So right so off the bat, we feel, like, we feel like the entertainment piece is, is really big. But there's another piece there. And that's that so much of the paleo literature out there focuses very narrowly, probably on food and maybe exercise. Now, both of those are really important um, components of the paleo lifestyle, but we view the paleo lifestyle as a Tao, uh, a complete path. Uh, there are so many other aspects that are critical to, to health and well-being, like sleep, uh, like stress, like mindset, like supplementation if you choose to supplement. So the other thing that we wanted to do in the book is we wanted to provide people with a complete template uh, to get themselves started towards finding their own path. So we include really, really detailed, thorough information and a template for all those aspects. We feel like if someone's to be successful in transitioning to a healthy paleo lifestyle, they need that complete package. So I think those two things are what we tried to do when we put the book together. And one of the things that's been lacking um, just generally with anybody is they they whether or not they see it as a diet when they first start they have trouble maintaining it you know unless unless they realize that they're going to have a heart attack if, you know unless they stay the paleopath unless they have a disease that they're managing like ms or attention deficit disorder whatever it is a lot of people have problems maintaining it so unless you get the psychological component in there um, about how you need to be able to think of yourself, think of the way you eat, and think of it relative to other people who you interact with every day, some of whom do it one way, some of whom think you're crazy, some of whom are criticizing you. Um, and you, unless you get that mindset in place, it's really hard to sustain the paleo lifestyle. In, in this country, uh, I think we need to explain to people, and I'm doing that constantly, is that the paleo diet is not just a diet. Don't look at it as just a way to lose weight because that's a wrong way to look at it. Look at it as a lifestyle, and that's that's the way I approach it in my uh, my books. And you know, when I talk to my clients, is that we should not focus on the food diet part of it only, but the whole picture. 
Absolutely. Right. Agree. Absolutely agree. And, and I'll add that we find that, you know, some people in the paleo movement um, who have written books or, or who depend on this for their livelihood get very proprietary about what they do. Um, you know, Joe and I wanted to build bridges when we put this book together. So as a result, a whole section of the book is, is devoted towards recommending other really capable paleo practitioners, whether they be um, nutritionists, whether they be physicians, whether they be sleep specialists, whether they be mind trainers. We feel that it's far more important to, to kind of spread the, spread the uh, word and, and, and it's much easier for us to do that um, by recommending this wide array of specialists and kind of trying to present the, the misguided um, opinion that the answer to everything you could possibly want is in this book. It is a complete solution for, you know, anybody, who, whether they're starting out or not. But we also want to encourage people to seek out, you know, because no two people are alike. And although it gives you everything, you know, depending on where you are on the spectrum, some people are going to need a lot more time and attention with one particular area or will have a challenge that fits one of the specialist's skill set very well. Mm. And they're all really right. good people, and, and they're all friends of ours. Yeah. Yeah. And we, they're all really and, good uh, people. That's important, too. Yeah, to a certain so, extent. I mean, that's, that's what Alan and I have been doing with uh, the Low Carb Paleo Show and what um, I also do with the Low Carb Mag is that you know we, we see ourselves as a channel for knowledge and providing the knowledge is good we don't care who it comes from absolutely there's no no jealousy there there's no there's no alan and i trying to sort of stamp our mark on anything we're here just to to get the right information to people who need it end of story that's right i did like uh the read of it uh how it's a conversation between two people and uh you have some uh Pretty bad jokes in there, and you know puns and play on words and all that. But it makes it more interesting to read as well because it's more uh, the, the public seems to need that kind of information in a more entertaining way than the the typical book. I mean, Rob Wolf does a wonderful, wonderful job um, making it easier to understand uh, the paleo uh, lifestyle in general. But you guys go one step further and make it more kind of a, you know, fun, but yet all the information is there and it's uh, it's easy to read. And unfortunately, uh, in this day and age, uh, it seems that that's what's needed to get attention from, from people. I, I just wanted to emphasize that, you know, we, we were very careful um, to include um, the science to explain why things happen biochemically to kind of get at that next level of, um, of information because we understand that there are a lot of people who are wired to kind of need that. You know, there are people who acquire information and process it on a very emotional, intuitive level. Uh, there are others who need to see um, the facts and the studies and the science. So we do feel like, um, although, you know, the book is entertaining and we designed it that way, we also designed it to satisfy those people who want to know why in a non, uh, how would you say, scholar, scholarly way and uh, boring, you know, which can be happening sometime in some books. So thank you for that. Um, in the scheme of, uh, in the paleo scheme, uh, where do you place yourself? Uh, uh, knows there's different schools, and uh, so what's your opinion on, the, on your version of the paleo? Um, I think that there, 
the main controversies in the paleo community, <clears throat> I think, are generally focused around carbohydrates. Um, that I'm, you know, their resistant starch is pretty trendy right now. Um, you know, but I think for the most part, uh, people that and maybe the exercise. I think there are a lot of people who do CrossFit and high intensity training um, and swear by it and love it. So, um, you know, I think if you look at the average American's diet um, and the average paleo lifestyle, I think we're a lot closer together than people think. Um, and that, you know, we are all on the low carb, technically, nationwide, we're definitely in the low carb category. That being right. said, um, I think Jason and I can agree that we, we do better, he and I do better, with more carbohydrates. Um, you know, still within that small window, they're all clean carbohydrates, and there's pretty much a limit on how many clean carbohydrates you can eat in one day um, because you're not eating sugar and you're not eating, you know, high fructose corn syrup and that kind of stuff. So, um, but, you know, within that, within the window of paleo carbohydrates, I think we both are on the broader end, but we recognize that some people do better on the, on the narrower end of that. What, what, in your opinion, what is clean carbohydrates so that we can be more specific? I was going to say, um, you know, we're pretty orthodox paleo in that regard. Um, we recommend that you stay away from grains of any type. So the clean carb and obviously sugars, uh, processed sugars, and that you limit your fructose intake. So you're restricted, you know, you're restricted to starchy carbohydrates like sweet potatoes, um, like uh, squashes. Uh, and, you know, similar kind of starchy, uh, you know, white rice if, if, in fact, you're, you know, really physically active and if you can tolerate it. Um, so pretty, pretty much the, the orthodox, um, right. orthodox paleo carbohydrate sources, the non-grain, non-sugar sources. Right. What about fruits? Do you recommend fruits? Well, uh, biochemically, of course, fructose does not um, spike insulin, but uh, Fructose does depress insulin sensitivity, which we view as kind of a bigger problem than insulin spiking. So whereas fruits contain micronutrients and antioxidants that are, that are healthy, we recommend uh, generally the low fructose fruits and, and in moderation. Um, so right, that's, right. that's our position there. Plus you get the fiber from the fruit that, uh, you know, you don't get from juices. So I, I personally yeah. recommend eating uh, the whole fruit, not just the juice, uh, just just uh, the skin and everything. So you get the fiber, the vitamins, and the minerals, not just uh, the the sugary heat that you get from uh, from juices. And it's amazing. I mean, this is it goes back to the bigger picture here because we are talking about it's it's very simple when you look at it all. Just eat the fruit the way it was meant to be eaten. You know, don't put it yep. in a machine. Um, yep. But it, it's often very hard for people to pick apart and understand why they have to deconstruct and, you know, not primitivize necessarily, but simplify their lives. And it, it's often it requires a lot of explanation for people to understand. It's a complex concept to deconstruct yourself into a simple lifestyle. But, you know, that's a big part of it is just eating, eating food the way it was meant to be. One of my colleagues the other day from work was insistent that, you know, it was very important that she blend and macerate her fruits and vegetables so she could have her smoothie in the morning. And what I said to her is, look, you know, you can do whatever you want. And certainly doing that is, is far superior to kind of going out to a, 
a Wendy's or a McDonald's and having a cheeseburger and fries for lunch. But or a Jamba I, Juice, even you know. Yeah, or a Jamba Juice. But I, I did explain to her, your body is designed to digest the food with the fiber, and you're basically pre-digesting those fruits and vegetables when you when you macerate or or create smoothies or so on and so forth. So obviously, the benefit of of eating those fruits and vegetables is is not going to be as high metabolically as it would be if you ate it the way you were designed to eat it. That's true. And another thing about fruit fiber is it, it provides a very good medium for stomach bacteria to, to thrive. Absolutely. Right. I understand the reasons behind the juicing, but I feel that you're eliminating a very important part of the food, which is the, the fiber and everything that comes with it. Plus, when you eat the whole fruit, there's, a, there's also a... Uh, a, a chewing uh, digestive enzymes going on and there's the, uh, the the pleasure of actually biting into a fruit whether it's a crunchy fruit or a juicy fruit so there's also the pleasure of eating the fruit and it's highly portable where uh, if you do juicing or even smoothies uh, you need equipment you need all sorts of why not just go back to the basics and just eat the fruit as long as it's a good quality fruit uh, and just eat it, eat the whole thing. I think a lot of the problem comes from, you know, we are a culture of convenience. We want to spend um, our, our drive on the way into work sucking down our breakfast through a straw. You know, we, we've kind of, um, unless there's a birthday or something like that, we culturally speaking, not me personally, we don't eat food with one another as often. You know, I know it's something that's important and valued, at least in the stereotype in my mind in France, um, right. but that's something that, that, you know, that people have, have lost. And spending time preparing a meal and spending time eating it without the television, the radio, without anything, just looking at each other, talking about our days, and enjoying that um, ceremonially, almost ritually, has been lost. So the appeal right. of, okay, well, I need to get my nourishment in uh, while I'm on my way to go to the tanning salon before I go out and see all my friends at the club, I'm not going to have time to eat. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, like Jason said, macerate a whole bunch of nutrients and, and gulp it down and not think about um, the process and the, the biochemistry or anything because it's, it's just a, I want to cross this off my list instead of I want to enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it. Right, right. And, and uh, speaking about convenience, what is more convenient than grabbing an apple or an orange or a banana instead yeah. of transforming into uh, something else? Just just eat the real thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just my, uh, you know, my French point of view is uh, a little, you know, behind all of this is that don't make it complicated. Keep it, use the kiss principle. Keep it simple, silly. That's right. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I know that you're actually the other, the keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to stay polite online, you know. Obviously, I'm French. I live in America, and I've been observing that for a long time, is that um, Americans in general have this concept of being constantly busy, 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 as opposed to take the time to enjoy life, family, friends, food, uh uh, how do you explain that? Well, there, there's two ways to get at it. I mean, why are Americans that way? I think you yeah. would have to do like a, like a big sociological experiment and, you know, 
the Puritan work ethic and all that, all that jazz. But uh, we're, we're, we have a way of explaining it to, uh, to people about why they need to change their view. You know, we kind of make fun of it in the book um, by introducing a character who's like a flagrant workaholic who, who, by the way, has a French last name, ironically. Um, but, uh, we, we present it as uh, twofold. First of all, there's solid biochemical reasoning for you to play and reduce your stress and reduce that kind of running around all the time being busy mindset. And it has to do with cortisol and stress reactions and how those reactions affect your overall wellness. But there's also kind of a similar theme to what you were talking about with the food chef. You'll just enjoy your life a lot more. You know, if you if you spend your time running around, you know, being busy, busy, busy and don't, you know, sit around uh, to smell the roses. The next thing you're going to do is look around and you're 96 years old and you're on your deathbed going, geez, I missed all this fun stuff. So yeah. we, we try to introduce it in two ways, you know, both as a biochemical proposition to improve your health and also as a, you know, another kiss principle uh, proposition to say, hey, you know, you're, you're missing out on a lot of really great stuff if you don't. Um, if you don't spend some time playing, you know, whatever that means to you, whether it means, you know, Joe, Joe likes to dance around, uh, pretending he's Britney Spears and singing, um, only in my know. underwear sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, some people like to do yoga. Some people like to do martial arts, hang out with your kids, play the guitar, whatever. But it, it's, it's a key part of the paleo path and it's, it's a key part of being a human. And there's no doubt that Americans are really retrograde in this way. I can't speculate as to why it is, but we definitely address it in the book, and, and we really think it's important. Right. Another issue I had, um, you know, it always puzzled me in, in, in this country is, is um, as opposed, I mean, you know, Europeans are getting a little bit that way now because the American way of life, unfortunately, has uh, gone across the Atlantic. But um, I never understood, you know, this this focus on constantly exercising and focus, uh, you know, uh, running and this and that. So you eat really bad food, and in order to lose the weight you gain by eating bad food, you go and exercise your buns off, and you're wasting a lot of time and money doing so. Why don't you stick to the basics and eat healthy food to start with? This way you're not going to spend a lot of time at the gym and spend more time with your family. How's that? Yeah, a lot of people, you know, go into the um, frame of mind that they, you know, if they want the six-pack, they need to do 4,000 sit-ups a day and run 30 miles or whatever it is. Um, but I think mo more of the paleo community, um, or most of the paleo community, I think it's safe to say, is in tune with the fact that the body is primarily made in the kitchen, um, not the gym. And um, this, I think it goes back to what I was saying is, you know, when you compare ourselves to the chronic cardio rest of the world who's slaving away on the Stairmaster for hours at a time. Um, I think most of the paleo community, even, you know, the ones that do CrossFit, um, have come to understand that, that they see better results with less and more high-intensity exercise than, than they were otherwise led to believe. Right. Joe and I, you know, get into this extensively in the book in our chapter, Move, and the American paradigm of you know, running 500 miles a week and then in between going to boot camps where some guy who looks like Louis Gossett Jr. and the officer and a gentleman like screams obscenities at you and makes you do push-ups till you throw up. And everybody thinks that's really good. Um, I think Joe and I are, are much more minimalists in that um, 
kind of a, a very reasonable regimen in terms of time, uh, a little higher intensity, uh, really will, will uh, propel your fitness. Uh, as Joe said, a lot of your fitness is made in the kitchen, but a lot of it's also made in the hormonal reaction that um, the right kind of exercise sets up in your body. So right. it's really not about the workout. It's about the remaining 23 hours and 45 minutes of your day. And um, so we present a pretty evolutionary program where you can kind of enter the flow chart at any point. You know, if you're very, very uh, sedentary, if, if you have a lot of body weight, a lot of fat to lose, you know, maybe we start you off with just long, slow walking uh, all the way up to if you're, you know, like a fitness ninja, you know, we add in some of the higher intensity interval training. But definitely from the principle of, of being a minimal, minimalist and less is more and, and how do you create the effect that you want greater health without spending hours and hours in the gym doing things that are fundamentally bad for you and are, are regressive to your goals. Right. My, uh, again, you know, coming from a French point of view, and especially from the south of France where we all have the reputation for being lazy, uh, my favorite form of exercise is napping. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very hot there, yeah. Jeff. But, yeah, there's that, but uh, what that, I do is recommend... Is that intensive my, napping, though? Intensive napping, you know, but not... Yeah, not high the, intensity uh, napping, that's right. <laughs> not, not the kind, like, uh, I never understood this power napping things, you know, that's another American concept, I just can't... Yeah, I think it's it's the whole interval napping. It's a different whole right, philosophy right, from right. high intensity like, well, so, well, we just gossip screaming at you while you nap. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's high intensity now. <laughs> well, what I tell my clients if they uh, if they're inclined to do exercise is just uh, pick something you really enjoy. Uh, if it's running, fine. If it's walking, if it's bicycling, my my other favorite uh, form of exercise is dancing. I love to dance, and it's a good way to um, one have fun, uh, get with the ladies, and uh, you know burn some calories. It is outstanding exercise, and that's a great choice. Yeah, I think ideally you want to find something you can lose yourself into. Um, and if you can get some playtime, some social time, and some exercise all at the same time, that's a big bonus um, because I think a lot of people end up doing things they don't like. They don't like looking forward to working out, although they may like the feeling afterward. But they see it as something that they have to do instead of just completely losing and immersing themselves in something that they are getting a workout from. Yeah, yeah. Both, we, we, both Alan and I like um, salsa. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's a great. it's a, a great, great way to have fun and get good exercise. Yeah. Well, he we likes will, the sauce. He likes the sauce and I like the dance. Uh, <laughs> we, we will say, though, that a lot of the people that we've introduced some of the basic principles to, which, which in our case are basically walking, lifting heavy things, uh, you know, doing some of the interval work, particularly sprinting, the reaction we get from most people, even people who kind of don't really like this idea, um, they're really, really into it. They really enjoy it. They feel very liberated by some things that their body can do all of a sudden. And um, we've had a really positive response to the basic template. You know, that being said, the whole point of the book from an exercise point of view and otherwise is, once you get yourself to a basic level of health using the template, the idea is to go out and find your own uh, path, your own your own Tao. And uh, so if yours is, you know, doing ballroom dancing or like our character in the book, uh, square dancing, um, 
then absolutely, uh, that's part of finding your own path. Yeah, I can do square dancing. I'm not square enough. <laughs> going, uh, going to back to the big picture. So, can you tell us your position on sleep and um, the psychological part of it, um, and even the supplement side of your your paleo version? So, from a sleep point of view, you know, um, again, it's probably the most underrated part of uh, living a healthy lifestyle and again something that uh, we as Americans are, are really really not doing a, a really good job of, of, uh, of doing. Um, all the research uh, including some really really large and, and very thorough cohort studies that, that follow subjects for years show that there's a direct correlation between sleep and health and it's a, it's a hormonal issue um, having to do with body leanness and leptin and ghrelin Again, it's also a quality of life issue um, where if you don't get enough sleep, you feel like crap and life's not long enough to spend much of it running around feeling like crap. So basically what we get out of the book is as difficult as it is, uh, it's part of your paleo template to uh, get at least eight hours of quality sleep a night. And then we get into some of the reasons why people don't get that sleep, whether it be um, too many... Uh, a focus on having electronics in the bedroom and the effect of blue light, uh, maybe not having your room sufficiently dark or at the right temperature, maybe consuming alcohol and caffeine or exercising at the wrong times. So our position is, is that you need to get these eight hours of sleep a night or it's going to have a negative effect on your health. But not just leaving you there, we, we try to give you a series of really practical, pragmatic tips for, for making your sleep better. Um, and that's where we stand. You know, on the supplement front, there is, um, we come from a culture where everyone is looking for that one pill that's going to make them feel younger, happier, healthier, whatever it is. And um, there is, I think, a, even in the paleo community, um, some tendency to over-supplement. And I think that, you know, um, and because of that mentality, because... Um, you are just concerned. You know, you, you may not be getting enough of these nutrients, so let's go ahead and double up or triple up or make sure that we're getting enough of them. Um, and there's a danger to that. The danger is, well, the more realistic, the more important danger is that you could, some of these things can be toxic at high levels. Um, but the other danger is you're going to waste a whole lot of time and energy and overthinking things that you shouldn't be overthinking. So looking at the big picture, I think... We are in agreement, and we say in the book, that you need to get your, your food from your, your nutrients from real food. That being said, our diets are not nearly as diverse um, as the diets from the paleo era, and they aren't that, even that diverse, you know, considering what's available at the supermarket. Very few of us um, eat the amount of fish, of fatty fish, that we should be eating. Very few of us um, eat, you know, shellfish on a regular basis. And shellfish, you know, for example, is an amazingly high source of so many important minerals um, that just help you feel better, help you function better. Selenium, zinc, you know, just to name a couple of them. Um, you know, iodine from seafood. Um, there, a lot of these things are probably lacking. Um, safely to say that they're probably lacking in the average person even the average paleo person's diet, who isn't making an affirmative effort to diversify their foods. 
So, you know, again, ideally from real food, but we look at the more popular vitamins and um, the more dangerous vitamins and minerals that you do and don't want to be supplementing with in more depth in the book. Um, but we, we do encourage supplementation if your diet isn't diverse enough. If you can get the if you can get it from real food, then that's you know all the better because it's a lot more bioavailable, absorbable, and healthy because you're getting them in the right amounts with the right other ingredients in order to make it available to your body. And, and we do get to present one of our favorite characters, Joe, who I believe is a sexual predator cannibal. Yeah, I think that's a safe way to say it. Yep, you'll like Cecilia; she's fun and she does some outrageous yeah. things. I like to. Um jump in on the supplement side, uh, due to uh, all the research I've done on GMOs recently for my new book, uh, a lot of supplements I would not recommend. They're loaded with genetically engineered ingredients, and that's, a, that's an issue I take very seriously. So my suggestion is typically to focus on supplements that are food-based, for example, uh, fish oil, green uh, algae. Kelp, kelp iodine, yeah. Right, uh, probiotics to help your digestive system. You know, uh, it's, a lot of the supplements we buy, the, the commercial brands, are, I, yeah, I'm sorry to say, but a lot of them are not safe. A lot of them don't do anything, and a lot of them are, are not paleo, and um, no. I totally agree with you on that. And they created in the lab. There's nothing natural about them, and so I, I would highly... Be highly careful about the, the, the quality of the supplements. I would suggest you focus on uh, a few of very good quality instead of, um, you know, I, I, I see people with 20 bottles of different supplements. It's like, how can you even swallow all of this? Yeah, you know? yeah. And then um, ditch the multivitamin, um, you know, because... Yes. There are a lot of things in there that just have the opposite effect that are not absorbable that may increase your chance of an arteriosclerotic incident, actually, in the case of calcium. Um, yeah. But, yeah, a lot of people overthink it, and I think that comes from that appeal that where they're looking for the magic pill. Um, but, you know, if you can get your minerals, for important minerals, and, and collagen and a bunch of other great things from bone broth, that's a great yeah. source of food, too. I agree with you that the real food sources yeah. are so much better. I think we say that specifically in the, in the book that uh, the best supplements that we recommend are really just real foods in a different form. So we, we yes, completely yes. agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, very good. Um, we talked about sleep. We talked about play. What about the psychological or the feelings side of paleo? So we do talk about, you know, there, there are a lot of different new emotional things that arise when you go, you know, and we're not just talking about, we're not talking about libido for a change. Um, so one of the things is, you know, you may go from being an overweight, um, unattractive male or female, um, to being an attractive, you know, healthy weighted male or female or healthy looking weighted, you know, because again, we, we don't want people to measure themselves and use the scale. But they'll, they'll go from being a lesser attractive to a more attractive person when they, when they go on paleo. And with that comes a lot of, you know, emotional um, issues. You know, okay, well, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm getting the attention that I've always wanted from the people I've always wanted it. But 
is this something I should be responding to? Because, you know, maybe that person was shallow to begin with. You know, and it comes with a whole lot of sort of growing pains um, that are new issues that for the first time in someone's life at the age of, I don't know, 35, they might be experiencing or older than that even. Um, <clears throat> another one is, um, you know, sort of the dogmatic view is, you know, you see someone and you know, like the other day I saw a woman at the um, place where I got a burrito bowl and she was pregnant, eight months. I showed her pictures of my kids and we were talking and um, she got a to-go order and she, like I said, she was, she was really pregnant and she said, oh, I need a, you know, a two cans of Diet Coke for my daily fix. And I was thinking, you know, to myself, aspartame gives me attention deficit disorder it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, in, in, you know, you want to help people and you want to change the world. Um, you know, and if she were sitting down at the table, I might have had a different point of view. But you also need to know when, you know, when not to say something. Um, and you need to be tactful. You don't want to, you're not going to change the world by getting in the fights. So unless you can do it tactfully and persuade people and you have the time and the finesse to do it, um, it's more often better to keep your opinion to yourself and also not judge the person because... A few years ago, you were in their shoes. Um, and, you know, so a, a lot of us think that what necessarily works for us has to work for other people. Um, maybe not the people on this phone call, maybe not your listeners, but definitely there are people in the paleo community who, who are saying if you don't do ketogenic and you don't do, um, you know, intermittent fasting, then what the hell are you thinking? You're obviously wrong. And so managing that dogma and managing that mentality is important and how to do it um, along with the other thing, how to, how to assess and reassess and learn to appreciate your own physical transformation and health transformation. Um, you know, we address those in the book. And there are a couple other angles that we go at it too that we don't think anyone else has, has really talked about that are just important angles. Um, but that, that kind of nutshells it for you.